Welcome to the Tear Out the Tags podcast, where you learn to remove the labels that are holding you back. Let's get started. Hello, Team Embolden. Yesterday, I shared a story with you about forgetting the national anthem at a high school varsity football game when I was just a sophomore in high school. Probably one of the most embarrassing days of my life. So I made a deal with myself that I would never sing again in public, and I didn't. Except for that one time that I butt-dialed a friend and was singing the soundtrack to the movie Pocahontas. (laughs) Yes, if you're wondering, I'm very good at embarrassing myself. That might have been my second most embarrassing moment of high school. Anyway, I had this tag that said stage fright and I decided that my voice would no longer be heard on stage. I would no longer do musical theater, I would no longer sing the national anthem, and I would no longer sing karaoke even out with my friends. But the interesting thing about the tag stage fright is it didn't stop me from performing on stage in front of a lot of people in dance, cheerleading, figure skating, and athletics. Back then, I didn't think that there was a connection between the two, and I didn't see the stage when I would dance as stage fright. When it came to dancing, I had no problem getting up in front of large groups of people. Fast forward a few years, I was dancing for the Phoenix Suns, and I was on a very large stage dancing in front of 19,000 people on a regular basis. Again, during my years with the NBA, I didn't suffer from that stage fright tag like I would have if I would have tried to sing. I didn't think much about this until I got divorced from my first husband in 2015, and I realized I had never sang in front of him. Quite literally, I was married to someone who didn't know that I had a passion for music and a passion for singing. So I decided that I didn't want my children to suffer from the same stage fright tag that I had worn for so many years, and I started learning how to play guitar and eventually started singing when I would play. Thanks to my little cousin Chelsea, I started slowly singing in front of people, but it was in a very limited capacity. I even had a neighbor named Gary Heimstead who would invite me over and we would jam in his music room while his incredible wife Robin would entertain my children. There were so many people around me that were encouraging me to sing again, encouraging me to use my voice to do the thing that I was so passionate about doing. But the nerves and the tag stage fright stayed with me and it was something I really had to battle through. In 2017, I met my husband, Ken, and when we were dating, he became another cheerleader for me to push myself out of my comfort zone and start singing, or at least continue singing in front of more and more people. I kept getting over this tag, as I would tear it out and reattach it and tear it out and reattach it. I started to gain confidence and I started to feel more comfortable using my voice in that way. When Ken and I got married, I sang an original song that I had written just for the wedding, just for him. Someone who really pushed me out of my comfort zone and really encouraged me to shine in a way that I hadn't let myself shine in a very long time. Not only did I sing the song for my husband, but I sang the song in front of about 200 of our wedding guests as well. It was a huge deal for me. But what I realized is it came down to what I wanted to say to my future husband, not about how I sounded or how amazing of a singer I am, but just about getting over that fear and getting over that first step. Our wedding actually started me on the journey that I'm on now. I got so much incredible feedback from different parts of our wedding and realized that I was in a career that no longer suited me and wanted to pursue public speaking. I went to a program called Heroic Public Speaking HPS, what they call it for short, is well known in the public speaking space. So imagine I show up to this workshop and I know nothing about what I'm getting myself into. And I'm in a room with people who are not only experienced, but some that are experts in their field. After the first day of instruction, I was so frazzled and my brain was so full of ideas 
that I couldn't imagine how I could possibly get on stage and share anything with this amazing audience full of talented people. But I made a deal with myself. I decided that I wasn't going to volunteer to get up on stage because my brain had rattled around and everything had come loose. And at that point, I was not sure about what I even came there to talk about. But I decided that if I was called on, that I would do three things. The first is I would say yes and get up on stage. The second is that I wouldn't qualify how bad it was going to be before I started performing. And the third was that I would take big risks even if I didn't have something planned and prepared to perform in front of the audience. So imagine I have no script, I have nothing planned out, but I'm thinking to myself, if I go up on that stage, not only am I going to perform and pull something out of my butt, but I am going to do it in a way that is going to shock the audience. I'm gonna take big risks. The last and final masterclass that was given by Michael Port, one of the owners of Heroic Public Speaking, he went into full rapid fire at the end, calling on people and giving them just a few minutes on stage. Before he would give you feedback and give you things that you could work on to improve your speech for the next time. He was winding down his master class and he was calling on one more person to come up on stage. And I kid you not, his finger pointed directly at me. I quickly did an inventory of the things that I said I would do. The truth is, I have no idea what I said on the stage that day. And remember, I hadn't used my voice on a stage in a very, very long time. I finished my brief speech, which I'm sure was about 45 seconds of complete babbling. And I was shocked at how much audience response I got from my speech. Maybe they could tell all the vulnerability that was wrapped in the performance that I had just given. Michael Port came back onto the stage to give me my feedback. And he said very clearly, you have some catchwords. Do you know what they are? Now, catchwords are words like like, um, right, and you know, <laughs> words like that. I guessed a couple of times, but the truth is I had no idea what I had said, so I had no idea what my catchwords were. Michael very kindly said, you say right? He said, you say right a lot, and you ask the audience the question, right? Like you want the audience to agree with you. I sat there and nodded and agreed, yes, I say that all the time. And at that point, I was sort of laughing as he was revealing this catchword, not thinking it was that big of a deal in my life. Then he said the thing that would change my life and it would attach me to the tag, the tag that I had truly been wearing for so many years. He said, do you know what you do when you ask the audience right? And I said, no. He said, you are handing your authority to the audience. You're donating it. You are asking the audience if they are okay with what you are saying in your speech on your stage. In that moment, I started bawling, sobbing, and again felt completely embarrassed in front of 70 people as I had used my voice again on stage, but this time the embarrassment came with one of the coolest lessons in my life. What I realized is I didn't suffer from stage fright. I wouldn't have suffered from stage fright and still been able to get on a stage dancing in front of 19,000 people. No, when I was 15, I lost my voice. And the way that I just said that makes you think that somebody took it away. So let me rephrase that. When I was 15, I donated my voice. I decided that I didn't have enough authority to share my voice with the world, let alone my high school, my community, or my friends and family. I'm happy to report that in 2020, I reattached my authority and got my voice back and I have been public speaking and working on my career in this field ever since then.
I hope that today's message will inspire you to pay attention to how your tags might be mislabeled within you. Perhaps you are tearing something out that isn't actually labeled correctly, therefore you're not able to remove it. Do a little bit of a deeper dive into where those tags come from and try to get to the bottom of why they're in there and what you actually call them. I hope you've enjoyed this message these last two days. If you didn't get a chance to listen to yesterday's episode, I encourage you to do so so that this episode makes sense. And I look forward to connecting with you guys tomorrow.